Roxo Media House. Welcome back to Fortitude, everybody. JW Brenton. Brinson, how you been, man? Captex. Captex, baby. Captex Studio. Thank you, Captex. Mike Thomas, you're going to love this episode. How you been, buddy? We'd be good. Good. Well, due to popular demand, our, uh, our Cannabis 101 episode went so went so crazily well. Uh, we had a lot of good feedback. We brought another guy in here. A little different topic, but along the same lines. Uh, in front of us today, Brinson, is Jim Schmeeding. Nice uh, this guy's well pedigreed. Jim, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. If you don't mind me, I'll read a couple of things so people get get a sense of who you are and who you were. But you're a former executive director of the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy, founder of the Center for Pharmacoeconomic Studies at the University of Texas College of Pharmacy. Uh, you're a pharmacy degree from the University of Buffalo and an MBA from UT. We won't hold that against you. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you horn frog people <clears throat> right yeah. here, uh, you know. Original... But- Original founder of the International Society of Pharma Economics and Outcomes Research, uh, which has more than fifteen thousand members currently, and you've worked in all major with all major pharmaceutical companies. A founder and president of the Indication Biosciences at an early age stage drug discovery company. Yep, phenomenal. And uh, last couple things, real quickly, research as a founder of Canapharma RX and member of the board of directors for Allied Health and VP of Pharma and Chief Scientific Officer. Yep. So to put it mildly, Brenton, he's been there and done that, and he knows a few things about this world. Do you know anything about uh, pharmacology by chance? Yeah, of course. I mean, pharmacists in general <laughs> ha- have some training in the area, and as uh, uh, JW's already pointed out, I have a kind of a broad scope of uh, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical development, use of pharmaceuticals. I was the chief pharmacist for the city of Austin, Texas. So it'd be like over here in Fort Worth, uh, uh, you know, it did, whether it be uh, John Peter or, um, mm-hmm. Smith. That did, yeah, or uh, Texas Health Resources, yep. the big house here. So uh, managed a lot of that, developed my own orientation towards the pharmaceutical industry in the late 80s. And then some of my companies, we've basically worked for you can, I always tell people, start at Abbott and finish at Zeneca. I've done work for them. So pretty much A to Z and um, successful entrepreneurial activities in a lot of different areas. As JW mentioned, I have my own drug development company right now, which uses CBD with uh, the lipid lowering agents, Lipitor, Crestor. We're working that forward. And on Allied Health, which is a cannabis based company out of Kelowna, British Columbia, we have a strong penchant towards treating patients that suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And along with that, anecdotally, some of the people who are using our cannabis products said, you know, psilocybin mushrooms would really help us get over the hump. And we're already taking it in terms of natural health orientation mm-hmm. and availability and kind of the gray market in Canada. But again, no big surprise. Which is the reason, Brenton, Jim sits in front of us today. Today's episode, we're going to learn about psilocybin, otherwise known as mushrooms. Yes. How many dead shows have you been to? Uh, golly, I've probably at least, uh, probably six or seven, I believe. I, I, and again, <laughs> when you get busy in life, it's hard to get on the train all the time and make all those shows. But uh, 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 certainly, uh, um, enjoyed my experiences. I was uh, talking a little bit before we got started here about going to Woodstock. 
the, uh, which, the original 99 Woodstock the, the 99 with Woodstock, or? That, no, not, no, no, no. You saw, he saw Hendrix. Do we're, this, talking, the we're talking 1969. Tell oh. us that story. That was, please. You that, like that, that story? Yes, so, I love so, it. So, so, again, it's it's interesting to me. I, I've talked uh, on occasions about various things. I've uh, given actually lectures on cannabis uh, when it was first coming into legalization, recreational use, what have you. And it's hilarious to me because I'll, I'll tell this story. So I gave a lecture to 600 people out in Las Vegas. They were there for some kind of a money investor show. And they asked me to talk about cannabis. And I said, well, I'm going to talk about what the realities are in terms of legalization, what have you. So, you know, everybody in Nevada is getting real cranked up because they say, hey, not only are we going to get medical, but sooner or later, it's going to get legal here. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of happy people in the audience going, yeah. And I can tell you, if you haven't been to Vegas recently, I would say Vegas is certainly the major capital city of the cannabis industry these days. I mean, it's you, totally legal, recreational and. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Uh, I went out to the MJ Biz Conference, which is the largest conference around that last year. And there were 26,000 registrants and they filled wow. up every single space that you can fill mm -hmm. up in terms of exhibit hall at the wow. Las Vegas Convention Center. So it's obviously a huge business in Vegas. It's not unusual to have stores. It'll do upwards of $15 million worth of sales a year. <laughs> so, so you get the idea, but the reason I related that is because the fellow who was the moderator at the show, he said, well, you know, I've, I've been to, uh, uh, I love fish, uh, the fish. And, you know, <laughs> so when I got up and, you know, I said, well, if that's your only credential, yeah, I went to Woodstock. I took the green acid. I went to my first date with my wife was to a Grateful Dead concert. So clearly I'm the expert in the audience here. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. enjoy the rest of the ride. <laughs> so uh, again, um, I enjoy uh, discovery. I think I've got a lot of credibility within the pharmaceutical business itself. I understand the regulatory side of things. I understand the scientific side. And I also understand the economics. And I think that all yes, kind sir. of plays into psilocybin we're going to talk about, but hallucinogens in general and how this market has really come alive. And I related a little bit earlier, I also deal with the payer community in healthcare. And I think everybody knows when you go to get a prescription, the big question is, how much is this going to cost me? Mm -hmm. That's based on your benefit. And the benefit is, of course, deliberated and approved by medical professionals within insurance companies. So the whole idea of uh, how do you, I get care, how do I receive care, what's going to get paid for, what is it going to be paid for? It's based on a lot of science, the development of standards of care and all kinds of things that kind of fall into, is the patient really getting benefit from what we're paying for? Mm -hmm. So value, value in healthcare mm -hmm. is fairly significant. Again, JW mentioned, I'm the founder, I founded the Center for Pharmacoeconomic Studies at the University of Texas in Austin, and I'm the third president and one of the founders of the International Society of Pharmacoeconomics and Outcomes Research. What you find out is no matter where you are in this globe, no matter what country, no matter what political orientation, everybody wants to know what's the value of the dollars we spent in healthcare. It's really a measurement of quality over cost and quality meaning effectiveness over the cost of it. So all relevant to mm -hmm. new medicines, old medicines, natural medicines mm -hmm. like uh, psychedelics, uh, psilocybin, and, you know, 
fun to talk about today. Sure. Well, let's refine our scope for today's discussion, if you don't mind. Psilocybin, magic mushrooms, as Britton very eloquently yep. pointed out, um, and probably groom in his in his you know college closet. Well, I I actually did buy a psilocybin grow kit when I was at the University of Washington uh, back, uh, I guess, about 40 years ago. And I actually grew little mushrooms and you bought the spores and stuff. It was kind of a, a, an interesting kind of a, a home planting orientation. Yeah, J.W. is familiar with it because he got the fungus in between his toes at the oh, yeah, locker well, room there. <laughs> We've got medicine oh, for that. Jeb. I, get, I, yeah. I deserve that. I deserve okay. that. Right back at right. you, my friend. Okay. Right. Jim. <laughs> Let's start off simply. What is psilocybin, and why is it re- why is it something that we know as mushrooms? What's the, what's the story with that? Well, again, uh, there's a lot of functional mushrooms, uh, uh, psychoactive mushrooms uh, uh, that are available. Uh, some people, for example, find benefit from lots of different fungi, uh, lion's mane, cordyceps, etc. So, and there are, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, there are like you know, whole food orientations, whatever, where you can go in and buy functional mushrooms. Psilocybin, however, was, uh, uh, of course, qualified a number of years ago as a Schedule One medication, which meant that it had no therapeutic benefit. And I think that was really based on the fact that there's probably politics beside behind it, but nobody had really done the research. So you had Obviously, Native Americans, these are natural medicines, uh, utilizing these and obviously gaining some insights and benefits in uh, religious rituals, things along that line. But we know that psilocybin acts at the serotonin uh, 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 receptors in the brain. So it's a serotonin agonist, which means that it mimics uh, 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 serotonin in the brain and the receptor sites that psilocybin or it's uh, analog psilocin, which is the active ingredient in psilocybin, uh, has some hallucinogenic benefit, but it also has some stimulating benefits within the brain. So I think understanding a little bit of the science behind why hallucinogens work, why in all of them, whether it be MDMA or ecstasy as we know it, hawaska, uh, uh, ketamine, they all work at the basically the same serotonin receptor sites in the brain. So that's kind of the key target area. So, so. What, what is happening when it's mimicking serotonin? Explain what serotonin maybe briefly yeah, and then sure. how it, what it, what, why is it doing what it does to So at, at the receptor sites, uh, uh, serotonin, and we know if you think back to Prozac, which mm-hmm. was a serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So it was an antidepressant and it was a, a, a not an agonist, but an antagonist. So it would uh, basically work at the same receptor sites in the brain as psilocybin would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some interesting studies going on right now with SSRIs, uh, 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 selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and psilocybin uh, or MDMA at the same time. So it activates these sites in the brain. And uh, to go layman term here, these are happy sites. Yeah. These are things that stimulate uh, uh, imaginative thinking. Uh, allow people, perhaps they're in a depressed or a treatment uh, resistant uh, depression orientation to have some better thoughts, happier thoughts. And therefore psilocybin over the years, of course, became popular, simple Simon or whatever you wanted to call it. We, you know, I myself have taken psilocybin 
and uh, mescaline and a couple other things. You don't and, seem depressed, though, Jim. Is there you know, it's, reason? It's interesting. I don't know whether it's just my normal happy nature, but I'm just not a depressive kind of guy. But I suffer for people with mental health illnesses who do have these mm-hmm. uh, 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 depressive uh, uh, types of maladies. And, you know, we know that these are significant. In fact, in the U.S. market alone, it's estimated that we spend $240 billion a year on mental health care. And most of it, I think one would suggest is reasonably ineffective. Yeah. Uh, And we turn people into kind of zombie orientation. We give them uh, uh, doses of things that uh, don't make them happy. Uh, but seem to actually uh, uh, more or less make them unfeeling or numb and what have you. And that's certainly not what we want to do. And I think psychotherapists and others in particular in the last, though, I'd say four to five years have started to realize that maybe what we were talking about in the 60s was a valid medication orientation that we needed to move to. And therefore, I think that's why we see the explosion. And I mean explosion in Companies and people now going back and reevaluating the opportunity to use psilocybin, MDMA, and sooner or later we'll see LSD and some other things as well, utilized in a manner that we hope improves mental health and decreases some of the abuses today. So, So, go ahead. uh, Well, I get so many questions, but one is you talked about the SSRI. Yeah. To like the simplest form. What is that doing from the antidepressant standpoint versus like a the psilocybin, right? Like just if you're okay. explaining to a sure a, a real novice, you know, know yeah. or, uh, neuroplasticity, all this stuff. No, I'm no, not just going to get into. But let me just say that what we know is that, uh, and this is probably more hypothesis, and therefore it's under phase studies with the mm-hmm. FDA, what have you, is that psilocybin where it seems to interact most effectively that it almost acts to kind of rewire mm-hmm. some of the broken circuits. If uh, you know, again, to try to make it as simple as possible, SSRIs, Prozac and all of its other analogs, what have you certainly also work. And in some patients they work reasonably well, but in some patients they do nothing in terms of, uh, uh, so there's a question about whether it's really helping to rewire things mm-hmm. or whether it's just acting as an exogenous, a, a something that is mimicking serotonin, but not actually activating it. And right. I think that that's kind of the key is that these natural medicines that we're looking at seem to have the benefit of actually stimulating what I'll call again, kind of a better circuitry, better uh, rewiring in the brain, as opposed to just supplying something Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, we could naturally produce with the right orientation. Right. Yeah. For for someone who has never done mushrooms before. Sure. What, what are the, what are they, what's, what's to be expected? Obviously it's a dosing question as well, but, and what are the, some of the side effects one might get from. So, So again, you know, first of all, let me say this, that, uh, uh, well, I think hallucinogens, part of the reason that in the 60s and on they were scheduled is because they're being used recreationally. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, it's no different than recreational cannabis or if I was sitting here and having a beer with you guys, at a certain level it becomes a personal choice. But 
I believe that the hallucinogenic side of this business and the way that this is going to go is it will be prescription. It will be, therefore, uh, have certain indications and it will uh, require some prior knowledge and care associated with caregivers as well as patient education. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of where, where I want to go a little bit is that what happens when you take psilocybin? Well, it is dose dependent. Mm -hmm. So I uh, working on some microdose applications, which most people say, oh, that's just placebo. Uh, however, there is some evidence contrary to that, that there is some long-term benefit, but a journey dose, something that you will want to have some knowledge of what you're entering into, oftentimes some coaching and which is now required by some of the states that are decriminalizing or authorizing the use of psilocybin is that, you know, you've got to understand you're probably going to lose uh, uh, your ego kind of orientation. You're going to have some kind of disassociation and to try to make that a happy disassociation is important mm -hmm. as opposed to a paranoid one. Yeah. So feeling uncomfortable is not an unusual side effect. A little anxiety going into it, even mm -hmm. though psilocybin will eventually be used as an anti-anxiety drug. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, some understanding of uh, how that discomfort can be managed. The knowledge that you're in a safe place with people that care for you and care about you. The fact that this will not go on forever. That this will be something that you will metabolize and move through and, and re-enter your uh, normal process, hopefully with a little bit of a better outlook in terms of what's being, going on in your life. So I think, you know, understanding what you're going into, understanding that you're taking a journey dose, which I say it is about 25 milligram. Uh, it's orally active, uh, changes in the body to psilocin, and it's absorbed into the uh, brain, serotonin, uh, 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 receptor sites, et cetera. So, you know, I think that's a, a reality that people need to have. And I think the safety issue around it is exactly why, if you take a look at Oregon, uh, Colorado will go the same way that basically you have to be in a caregiver associated uh, atmosphere and the caregivers will be regulated. Mm -hmm. So it means that you will have to meet some minimum requirements. It's also interesting at the state level that, for example, in Oregon, which of course was two years ago, they're finally getting it figured out. It's been a long time coming, but municipalities can opt out of the program. So if you really take a look at a map of Oregon and uh, uh, where uh, mushroom therapy will be allowed, it's basically the big cities, the university towns, uh, as you might imagine, mm -hmm. a lot of the smaller areas and stuff uh, for various reasons. And I think there's a fair amount of bias. Again, still, as it would be with uh, uh, marijuana, what have you, is that they're opting out of uh, being involved. So, but at the same time, I don't know if people know this, but Mushrooms were decriminalized in Washington, D.C. You can go and buy mushrooms. You can't say, I'm here to buy mushrooms. You have to say, oh, I'd like to see what the gifts are that I can receive for spending $50 on a, uh, a plaque of uh, Donald Trump or something. And uh, that's how it works in, really? in D.C. Oh. Uh, it, that's the same with cannabis. It has to be gifted, but you can buy a gift. And then mm -hmm. part of the reward is that you also receive cannabis mm. or, or mushrooms. So it's a kind of kind of interesting how uh, we work around the interpretation of the laws. I think most people no. don't know, but Texas, yes, 
the great state of Texas is actually very interested in the use of uh, uh, hallucinogens for mental health. In fact, they authorized the University of Texas. I won't go into hook of horns or anything, but uh, 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 the University of Texas has a center for psychedelic research now. Uh, John Hopkins University, University of Wisconsin, uh, NYU, uh, uh, in London, uh, the, the um, UK, I can't remember, but there's a lot of global interest in mm-hmm. hallucinogens. Seems to be following the, the cannabis movement. Maybe it's a, obviously a few years behind, but it, it seems to be catching steam it, 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 year, it, on, year it, over year. It actually is moving quicker in a certain lot of ways, right. uh, uh, J-Dub, and I think it's because you got to think about, again, here we are, and we know that... Uh, Investment drives innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, investment drives, uh, 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 motivates people to do things. So 50 publicly traded companies now in hallucinogenic medicine, 40 private uh, companies, a lot of, uh, you know, again, research, treatment centers, wellness, what have you. They're all moving in, into this area. So that's stimulating it. The fact that we don't have good answers for mental health what we currently use from a pharmaceutical perspective today is driving it. And, you know, it's, it, it does have parallels to cannabis in terms of how it will roll out on a regulatory basis, but the FDA will never ever. And I've said this five years ago and I'll say it again today. will never really authorize full spectrum marijuana as being a drug. They can't. It's too complicated. There's mm-hmm. uh, 450 minor components, 86 major components, and you can't study that effectively. You can isolate psilocybin. You can isolate MDMA. So now you know exactly what you're giving to a patient and what you're treating. You can run uh, uh, randomized double-blinded control trials, which are what they require to go through phase research for FDA approval. So the FDA will never approve cannabis. The FDA will certainly, and you can take it to the bank, that they will have approved hallucinogenic medicines of various sorts somewhere over the next two to five years. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah, and and moving quickly. Right Mm now, uh, investment in the hallucinogenic space right now, 2021, $3.1 billion. Twenty uh, 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 twenty-eight seven years uh, predicted to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $8.5 billion. So it's a big market out there. You, again, you can take a look. You can take a look at a number of studies that are going on out there, and these are FDA-approved studies. The other things of interesting to note is, first of all, the DEA Drug Enforcement Agency has actually increased the quotas that they will allow people to produce of materials for testing in in, in this particular marketplace. Another, it's what I'll call another buying sign. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden-Harris has uh, 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 bills that uh, will allow more research on uh, uh, controlled substances that are considered to be Schedule One, which is where psilocybin, MDMA, what have you. Mm-hmm. So more interest there. NIDA, the National Institutes of Drug Abuse, who whenever you went to them with a cannabis trial that had a positive outcome, they would not fund it. They are funding studies right now for the use of uh, uh, hallucinogens for uh, tobacco cessation smoking. So, again, you take a look, all the regulatory signs are there. The scientific evidence is building that this is a much better way to approach this. And you can pretty much, again, I don't have to be a, a, a 
Houdini to suggest that uh, 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 there's magic out there. It's going to happen. Yes, sir. Why? Why is it? Because all the people who went to Woodstock are in power now. What? What's the reason well, the, for this? The, that the, I, I think there's more enlightenment about what again. The negative side of it, what hasn't worked, uh, major antipsychotics, antidepressants, the cost of mental health in this country, what have you, uh, suicide, post-traumatic stress disorder, and so forth. And I think there's a realization that if there's something that could scientifically be proven to be beneficial, we ought to go after it. So, uh, again, it's not necessarily a liberal, a Republican, a Democratic, a libertarian issue. I think that you know, at a certain point, everybody coalesces that uh, if there's a discovery that makes sense and improves patients' health, uh, that we ought to uh, consider it. And when you, again, you take a look at the burden of mental health illness and the cost to society, you got to say, hell, what we've been doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. I think we really ought to try it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a serious, is a serious question, sure. but not, not in, in besides people's closets where they're growing these things, yeah. through kits. Where do you find these type of mushrooms in the on the planet? Where do they grow? Well, it's a, it's, it's a, and what a, makes them magic? These ones, right? Yeah, psilocybin. So there's a lot of different strains of psilocybin, which of course uh, helps uh, you, you. I should say, causes you to have to do some standardization and some things like that. There's been some activity of you can synthesize, and I can tell you some major companies, former divisions of Johnson Johnson, for example. There's a company called Puracis. Empiricis uh, is synthesizing all the cannabinoids. In fact, I'm going to be a customer of theirs buying CBD for my pharmaceutical grade product, but they also have done the same with psilocybin. So you can synthesize it, you can grow it. Interestingly enough, the major growth, <laughs> it's a growth market place as well, is in Jamaica. Does it grow naturally or does it have to be no, no, cultivated? No, you, you, well, it does grow naturally. If uh, When I was at the University of Washington, after a particularly rainy uh, uh, season, what have you, watching students crawling around in the grass on the uh, mall looking for little psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Yes, it does grow. Through cow manure? Uh, well, not necessarily. Well, the cow manure is certainly one of the substrates that works, but it's also as much uh, uh, um you know, if you uh, chop down a redwood tree and let it sit for about 10 years, it kind of starts to degrade. And that's just perfect growing area for uh, fungi in general. I mean, you see it when you go anywhere where there's forest and rain at a certain point, you'll find fungus growing yeah. somewhere. So, uh, 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 you know, I, I think it's interesting. So where do you find it? So one of the ways that Allied Health and I got interested in it is that there was a little company gray market up in Vancouver Island who is selling ground up psilocybin in small doses with a couple of other uh, 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 functional mushrooms, lion's mane and cordyceps, as I said, and they were selling it. And uh, by talking about uh, uh, effective doses, they were selling like, you know, I said 25 milligrams of an effective dose, 2.5 milligram mm -hmm. doses that they were selling. And people could buy, 10 capsules for 20 bucks and uh, they'd ship it out. And uh, this is where we started getting reports from vets who were using our product uh, as well as first responders of which that includes the law enforcement, uh, uh, emergency medical technicians, what have you, that were suffering from uh, uh, traumatic stress associated with their jobs or the war or what have you. 
they started reporting that, you know, the cannabis helps, Jim, but quite honestly, this mushroom stuff is really kind of, uh, I'm, I've stopped drinking as much. I'm not taking pain medication. I'm sleeping better, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's those kinds of reports that sometimes give you that empiric feeling that mm -hmm. you ought to move forward and explore this a little more because there is something happening and it's good. Yeah. So, so what, so the paranoia, you know, you, we're yeah. talking about all the benefits and stuff. What happens when you get that one patient that just gets skit, like they go crazy from it? Well, again, hit, it, you know? it, it's interesting. Obviously there's lots of thoughts. Schizophrenia is a very different disease than depression, what have you. And so there's some concerns that people that have other major mental disorders, it may not be beneficial. I think that requires proper research and control and what have you. So, you know, paranoia, I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, I remember driving down the road one night with my wife and we picked up a hitchhiker and it was a new year's Eve. And, uh, I think we had ingested a fair amount of cannabis as I remember. And the guy gets him back and we're driving down the road and he's like, Ho, 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 dude, dude, there's a cop up there. So I'm like, you know, do I get that joint out of my pocket and uh, swallow it, whatever? So, you know, people can induce paranoia pretty easily when you're in a, what I'll call a altered state. Yeah. And uh, cannabis has the same capabilities. Where did that cop end up being? A streetlight? A good tree? No, not, you know, needless to say, I told, uh, this may sound cruel or unusual, but I pulled over at the next stops and I said time it's time for you to get out <laughs> but uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, it's just you know paranoia is easily induced in people yeah and so if you know you don't, you don't say hmm. <laughs> I've never experienced that every year at this show yeah why are the the, the police here <laughs> certain now, people bring it out of me a little bit right. more yes. than others yeah we, we've all heard the term Jim the bad trip having a bad trip sure what is what does that mean and what's going on? Well, I this think is it, part of it, right? Well, it, it, again, if you take a look at it, and it is part of it. Uh, uh, again, you could sit, like I said, with uh, five hundred thousand people at Woodstock, and you took the green acid, and mm -hmm. they just told you over the uh, loudspeaker, anybody who's taking the green acid, you may want to come to the health tent here. <laughs> and so I'm sitting with uh, four other people, and we're all saying, "How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel?" And I'm, of course, saying, I'm doing the coaching stuff, saying, I feel pretty good. So I think we just kind of chill here, guys. And you and did. And what happened? We had a great afternoon. We heard some amazing music. Yeah. Uh, uh, we partied on it late into the night. And the next day we woke up and said, man, what did I do yesterday? I'm yeah. like, really? But at any rate, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, again, I think paranoia is a controllable and a safe place with coaching and an understanding. I would never, ever suggest that somebody just go and take a hallucinogen without some knowledge or understanding, or again, being in a comfortable mm -hmm. place with friends, people that, that they understand. And um, yeah, I've had friends of mine freak out where they, you know, ate a brownie. They had a little too much uh, THC in it and, and, you know, when they beg you to go to the hospital, you could take them. But at the end of the day, it's like, we're just going to sit here because a few hours from now, you're going to feel a lot better. Yeah. And and then the other thing about that whole 
suspension of, of you know, kind of hallucinogenic uh, bliss, what have you, is, again, this ego and id thing is important. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go into it and you're already uncomfortable and paranoid and what have you, if you go into it like me, where I'm stable, comfortable, uh, secure, what have you, it's, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be a slightly different experience. And I've certainly had friends and stuff who've had proverbial bad trips, but the bad trip was just something that we needed to kind of let nature take its uh, 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 its own time and move on through it. Is so, a bad trip just somebody freaking out, like you said, or is it like not being able to sleep for a long period no, of time? No, I don't think it, it's, it's so much. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, again, you've altered a bit of your serotonin and right. things like that. I think it's mostly, uh, I'll call an episodic uh, anxiety-associated uh, uh, problem. I mean, again, there, as we know, this is one of the issues with recreational as opposed, as opposed to control use of anything is that, yeah, you take too much of something or you, you decide to supplement it with something else or you don't know what you're taking. Uh, yeah, uh, like the uh, wrong kind or yeah, something. Uh, you know, I mean, these are all the dangers, and it's why really I think the benefit of some regulation – and regulatory compliance and some production related uh, uh, um, controls of quality, what have you. And I, you know, I hate to say this, but you know, 6,000, 7,000 products are in the marketplace right now that have CBD in them. How much still good expiration date. Uh, what else is in there? Who knows kind of stuff. It's because the FDA has not actually ever gotten into it. Once they finally do, I would bet you right now 50% of the products that are in market today will be uh, 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 analyzed as mislabeled, meaning it ain't what it says it really is mm -hmm. in terms of amount, uh, things like that. It, it's, it's, you know, that's the natural health side of it. And while everybody wants the opportunity mm -hmm. to and, you know, again, I'm a pharmacist. I understand all the good thing about pharmaceutical companies and all the bad things about pharmaceutical yeah. companies. So, uh, uh, but the one thing that they do is they do have, they're held to a standard to produce safe and effective products. Natural health products, it's the Wild West out there. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's problematic from that standpoint. So while you can say, well, CBD is not going to kill you, what have you, I would agree with that. You know, the uh, lethal doses, uh, you know, you'd have to, you know, consume half a truckload of the stuff, et cetera, doesn't even exist. MDMA, psilocybin, LSD, uh, what have you, there are some limits in terms of what's safe and to be effective. So you'd want some control over that mm -hmm. in terms of some assurance. Sure. One of the reasons I reached out to you so long ago to get this set up to talk. Um, I remember several years ago, I, I liked the, like the show 60 minutes and they had, they showed us the story on a study where they did had a hundred people lined up in a controlled environment. They gave them a measured dose of psilocybin. They'd have somebody watch them and all these things and then they interview them after the fact. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is what got me thinking about all this. But I remember distinctly this woman going on there and she's, and she's weeping, Jim, she's crying and they're And they're like, she's like, I saw my deceased parents from sure. 30 years ago sure. where I had the most profound uh, time of my life. It's in, during this episode. And I remember asking my wife, Hey, if somebody can guarantee you, you'd have one of the most profound moments of your life, you? isn't that worth trying? And, and she ultimately said yes, and she's never done it. 
But I, it's, it's incredible. If you could tell somebody, you could have this profound moment in your life. You could vi- revisit people maybe you haven't seen forever and well, come out of it you know, weeping because you had this experience. Like that's, that's it, powerful stuff. Every idea and investment usually has a story behind it. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now that many of the people that have gotten into this on a uh, investment basis, what have you, they have a story, whether it's about a loved one, their son, their child, themselves that they've gone through and they've had a good experience or they've improved the lives of their kids, whatever, because of it, they become, I'll call it uh, hallucinogenic enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. And they want other people to have that experience mm-hmm. because it's been a good experience for them. So I don't find it unusual that uh, if somebody kind of has what I'll call a breakthrough experience that they found beneficial Hell, of course, they're going to recommend it to other people and they're going to want to uh, uh, approach it. So, you know, again, I think we're going to see opportunities as we move forward here Mm -hmm. uh, with more research. And, you know, the list is long of uh, uh, applications for hallucinogens in medicine. Obviously, uh, treatment-resistant depression, major depression. But there's all kinds of other things from fibromyalgia to, I mean, it goes on, smoking cessation, alcohol dependency. There's a lot of studies. And these are good studies. These are FDA-approved studies. These people went through investigation review boards. They've uh, designed the statistics of the study. So, you know, in the FDA uh, uh, pathway, there's four phases, phase one through phase four. Phase three is uh, your pivotal trials that show the effectiveness, what have you. Phase one is usually a first in human studies just to show there's some safety. That's phase two are usually dose ranging as well as continued safety uh, than phase three. And then phase four, are you found out that you not only have a product that works, but it might be good for something else. Mm-hmm. So you want to test it further and see if it, it's good for it. But we're going to see a huge amount. And there's a, you know... Uh, uh, the MAPS people, I don't know if you know what MAPS is, Multidisciplinary uh, uh, oh, Association for Psychedelic Studies. They've got some very good evidence now on some of the MDMA work that they've done, and they're all the way into phase three. And like I said, you got, you know, everybody, uh, I mean, highly respected uh, um uh, health providers, University of Washington, University of Wisconsin, Johns Hopkins, uh, NYU, University of Texas, whatever. They're all forming psychedelic centers. They're all mm-hmm. participating in studies with these uh, mm-hmm. uh, publicly traded companies because they're finding benefit. Mm-hmm. So this is probably a stupid question, but why did the black light in these uh, in the in the wavy colors, bright colors, become such a part of that? Psychedelic culture. I think that sensory perception that there's something going on right. is, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, having again experienced those things. It's the back shelf at Spencer's. I mean, you can't not see it. It's well, well yeah. that's what I was going to ask. Can you take us on your like most um, insightful trip, like something that made you a believer as you brought that up, kind of a testimony on it? Well, again, most of the, the ones that I did were. I'll call recreational yep. because I was at concerts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Again, been, you know, they don't have concerts like I used to go to. Yeah. I mean, you know, live piece in Toronto. Gee, oh yeah. That's uh, Yoko Ono and John Lennon with uh, 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 
uh, on stage. Oh, yeah, that's Jim Morrison and the Doors up there. And, Man. you know, uh, 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 live piece in Toronto, that one was. You've never seen it, Taylor Swift, though, have you? I haven't. Are you going to give tickets to me? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quite, okay. quite, a, bit, quite a change. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, Janet Joplin, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, I've seen all those people, uh, uh, you know, and it's exciting. And uh, it's in a crowd that is there to have a lovely time. And, you know, sometimes fun can get out of hand. We all know that. And we don't want to be unsafe to anybody or others in particular. But, you know, to me, they were always uh, uh, centrally uh, um, uh, pleasurable experiences. Yeah. Uh, the uh, hallucinogenic side of it was not uh, something that made me uncomfortable. Um the visuals, the uh, increased auditory awareness. I mean, all your senses mm -hmm. kind of tingle right. when, when that's happening. So it's interesting, too. I mean, and, uh, 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 I mentioned again that I'm working on a microdose orientation, which doesn't require as much coaching and could be used on a more of a daily functional basis. And, again, there's safety concerns about all these things, what have you, and they need to be well vetted out. But... You know, if uh, you get up in the morning and uh, a cup of coffee and a little bit of psilocybin makes it a better day for you without any noticeable side effects, no hallucinogenic effects, what have you, I think stimulating your serotonin uh, 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 pathways is not a bad thing to do. Right. I mean, and these are there's going to be more benefit, you think, ultimately than what they've done in – antidepressants and things oh, like I that. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that the side effect profile of naturally occurring medicines is much less than some of the things that we've been able to synthesize and develop. Uh, another funny story, because I've got a million of them. Uh, <laughs> so I was in China. I was in the Yellow Mountains and we're on a tour of some sort and Gentleman stand next to me, obviously Chinese, but he's got a kind of a nice green jacket on. It mm. says uh, um, Eli Lilly Neuroscience, whatever. So I'm a pharmacist. I know mm -hmm. Eli Lilly. I've worked for him. I've been to Indianapolis a few times. I go over to him and I said, to him, "So I, I, I saw your Lilly jacket." I said, uh, "What did you do at Lilly?" I've done a lot of business at Lilly, mostly on the commercial sales, marketing, support side of it. You know, I'm a scientist. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I just retired. I said, oh, okay. And uh, I said, so what's the Neuromus Neuroscience Institute, whatever? He said, oh, you know, that's where uh, we worked on, like, uh, Prozac and stuff. I said, oh, really? What could, what? He said, well, I'm actually the guy who discovered Prozac. So oh, wow. uh, kind of a, a, a funny story. Very, yeah. very interesting, mm -hmm. very knowledgeable uh, Chinese uh, origin scientist who is in his original homeland kind of on real tour. mellow guy i'm guessing you know he was he was pretty much just like one of these guys you'd say man i'd love to go have a beer with you and uh, talk yeah. about how you figured this out so you know stuff like that you think they figured some of this out based on some of the like are we doing a circle here where it's it an kind interesting of question began it's an interesting question and the guys copied it synthesized it and then wait a minute, then it got the stigma or whatever, you know. How does discovery happen? And there's so many pathways. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, I mentioned that my uh, uh, opportunity to combine cannabidiol with lipid lowering agents. Well, how do we get onto the fact that this might be make sense? Because most people say, 
how the hell does that work, Jim? Well, we happened to have some people that were having some problems, back-related, muscle-related, what have you, and they had been to see traditional physicians, and the physician said, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. Well, they'd started taking a, 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 a lipid-lowering agent, a, a, a HMG co-reductase inhibitor, uh, uh, and... Uh, what they found out is, of course, that they were having the muscle weaknesses and side effects that come along with it. But for some reason, none of whether it's because of the disconnection in medicine in terms of information, what have you, but nobody could come up with a solution. We sent this guy some CBD. It wasn't legal at the time, but that didn't matter. Uh, we sent him some CBD. A day later, he was out back running, walking, and called up and said, what the hell did you guys just do? And we said, well, we sent you some CBD. We told you to kind of put three drops under your tongue and, you know, wait a while. And if you don't feel better tomorrow, try four drops. Uh, and that's when we said, huh, I wonder if a combination of CBD. And so we went out, we did all the patent uh, work that you need to do, uh, uh, discovered there was a greenfield area there. And we have uh, two major patents and we'll have a lot of follow-on patents to utilize CBD as kind of an augmentation to what we currently consider to be Western medicine related. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, in the lab yeah. and you notice that, you know, a rat uh, uh, responded positively to this stimulation, whatever. And sometimes you're with natural medicines, you're looking at somebody going, huh. I wonder if that'd work. And when it does, you say, yeah, it must work. Mm -hmm. And so if you take a look, you know, you'll see uh, 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 research from states that have uh, uh, authorized the use of uh, cannabis for uh, medical purposes, what have you. You'll find out that 90% of the people who run their survey say, well, I take it for pain management. Yeah. I would say it probably must be working for pain management yes, right. uh, and I don't think it's a placebo effect. Mm -hmm. So, so again, I think discovery is uh, interesting. Uh, the fact that it happens, uh, we all benefit from, mm -hmm. you know, I'm 73. Look at me. I mean, you know, if my father died when he was 65 and uh, you know, uh, I'm sure some of the benefit is obviously good genetics and good diet, but, I think that there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, how many people would be sitting here today if we didn't have uh, mRNA uh, 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 for COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Yeah. Right. So. On on that discovery path, yeah. how many people ate the wrong mushroom before they found this one? And, you know, I've heard that some die from, you know, you can die from the well, wrong yeah, obviously. If, if, yeah. If but you think about the discovery of that or like all the plants in the world and the well, guy smokes know, pot, like what, how do you find somewhere, it? Somewhere you know? uh, in our ancient uh, uh, first uh, uh, native, uh, 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 they figured out that there were some natural medicines that mm -hmm. uh, worked and they worked effectively, whether it be peyote or whatever. And uh, uh, they've, you know, incorporated into yeah. their mental health reg regimen. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, that was a, a good thing for all of us. So yeah. I'll bet it was like, hey, Jim, you want to come around the fire tonight? We're going to get JW to try to uh, hey. eat this certain kind let's of go, mushroom. Let's go into the sweat, let's go into right. the sweat lodge. And, and, yeah. and uh, you know. Don't get the exploding uh, rocks, though. Hey. I've heard about that happening in sweat lodges, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you touched on it briefly at the beginning, but yeah. the future of, of psilocybin, yeah. it's going going this tremendous movement right now because yep. of the all, a lot of reasons you just spoke about. What, how, In your mind, where does psilocybin 
fit in, in, our, in our world in, say, five, 10 years? Is it a, on the shelf at the grocery store? Is it always going to be know, at the... You know, I, 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 while it will be decriminalized, I don't think that... Uh, uh, I should say regulatory tendencies in this country would suggest that if you're a grower and people will grow it, uh, that if you're a dispenser and people will dispense it, that it will be regulated. Mm -hmm. Now, so I, I think that will happen. Uh, I don't think you're going to get insurance companies to pay for it. In fact, I know you won't unless it's FDA approved product because mm -hmm. they just don't. I mean, the first criteria for any insurance company uh, is to have the evidence that it's safe and effective. And the only way that they'll uh, do that is through the FDA. So uh, doesn't mean that natural medicines don't work. Uh, again, well, I would suggest that the formulation that we've put under a provisional patent for Allied uh, uses some functional mushrooms in it. It has what uh, uh, many people in the industry call a stacking orientation where you take X amount of psilocybin with X amount of lion's mane, cordyceps. Niacin is a naturally occurring vitamin, uh, uh, but it helps in terms of flushing the product into the extremities. So the kind of the microcirculatory orientation. So there's a, there's, we're going to see more of that kind of stuff done. The problem with combination products is quite honestly, you can't find uh, what the FDA requires in terms of uh, certified uh, GMP, good manufacturing process, raw materials that you have to mm -hmm. have to do the kind of testing. So, you know, the regulatory hurdles are there, but I do think that the popular interest and the evidence is going to be such that psilocybin will come back right. and assume a role in terms of mental health. Uh, again, recreationally, uh, again, I, I've done it that way, but I certainly couldn't mm -hmm. suggest that people just uh, wholesale go out and do that without the appropriate knowledge. Yeah. I think the coaching, I think we're going to see more therapy centers. You're going to see, you know, the wellness treatment centers mm -hmm. and stuff. They're doing ketamine right now. And ketamine was approved by the FDA three years ago in a nasal spray uh, for treatment resistant depression. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, FDA wouldn't have approved it if there wasn't some evidence that it's working. It's incredible. Um, how many people did you did you say how many people in this country are estimated with the data to use psilocybin? Boy, I you know I'm not real clear on that, uh, uh, JW. I mean, I, I I know that again what the burden of illness is, but I don't really know how many people are recreationally or for medicinal right. purposes uh, uh, accessing psilocybin. Psilocybin can be accessed. I mean, you know, right. uh, uh, Canada is a great example. Health Canada put a, uh, 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 exemption in place so that if a physician will go through the hurdles for a patient, the patient can actually receive, uh, uh, uh psilocybin mm -hmm. under health Canada's auspices. Of course, health Canada also authorized for diagnosed uh, vets with post-traumatic stress disorder, a certain allotment of cannabis that they'll buy on a monthly mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. So we're not quite that advanced, right, right. but, uh, uh, that being said, I think, uh, a lot of this research and a lot of, uh, uh psilocybin uses happens in Canada. In fact, the university of Alberta, I would say is kind of, a uh, academic center for uh, uh, psilocybin and they're mostly getting their mushrooms out of Jamaica. There's a very big uh, uh, 
grow in uh, types of areas mm. there. They have like a, like farms there. They're oh, yeah. like real totally. professional. Oh yeah. Kind well, of- in fact, they have them out in uh, 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 British Columbia. And, uh, the guy who started Lululemon, mm. he and his son have heavily invested into, and his son is the CEO of a company that's growing psilocybin. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's happening. Well, we have thoroughly enjoyed, this is enlightening mm-hmm. stuff. Is there a, um, what was my question? Is it, I mean, is there anything we're not thinking to ask you about this you know, topic? I, I, again, I think I went through some of the science, the regulation, the actual utilization, uh, kind of some of the economics in terms of uh, uh, how this goes. There's some interest. I mean, some people are concerned that, uh, you go through two or three good journey doses with guidance of uh, 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 psilocybin or MDMA mm-hmm. use, what have you, and you're feeling well enough that kind of the gravy train stops there. Right. So, right. so unfortunately, I would bet that it's going to be expensive when it comes mm-hmm. to market. It's going to be highly controlled. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we'll adopt and adjust to it, but... With right. many other things, sometimes it drives people to a gray market or whatever because its costs are sure are, are prohibitive mm-hmm. to somebody. Oh, I'm sure it's already. I think it is already happening. I've oh, seen sure. some documentaries on people doing ayahuasca or whatever oh, sure. in like a, you know, some guy's shack with a couple of beds there and trained professionals sure. and stuff. Sure. And I think people are wanting to believe that this is, you know, this yeah. stuff, and so. I almost invite regulation on this kind of stuff for that very reason, you know, because uh, because passing those hurdles is really important. I think when you're getting into you're getting in some dark territory do, here. At the you same know? time, access to health is yep. important to everybody, and so yeah, right, and and not I, making sure yeah. that people I mean, are blocking do, that. You right, know, right, from, right. I mean, uh, if uh, you if your insurance won't pay for it, is there something mm-hmm. else? Uh, you know, we have patient assistance programs for yeah. all kinds of medicines and stuff. The number one cause of bankruptcy in this country is oncology uh, drugs that uh, 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 patients can't afford. Mm-hmm. So I'd hate to see it go that way because I, I do think there is benefit. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, time will tell. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, some of these companies are basically become patent trolls. Oh, yeah. So they've got 400 patents out there from the color of the lights in the room to mm-hmm. uh, the color of the carpet. Mm. Uh, things really? like that that are kind of blocking techniques. Sure. Uh, I understand certainly the need to have IP around investment uh, for protection's sake, but at a certain point, it's a, a little kind of out of right. control too. Right. So, well, thank right. you for the time, Jim. We yeah, have, thank we you. Got, I love a couple being closing here. questions. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll ask one and I'll get what my partner asked the final one, but you, you, you went to Woodstock. What was your favorite band? Ah, <sighs> I think it was Joe Cocker. Oh, cool. That must have been. Uh, I mean, that was quite a performance. Uh, for was sure. that the afternoon of eating the green acid? Like, right, was that that <laughs> evening? Like, <laughs> yeah. where was that oh, in that thank you. S- sequence of events? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rolling backwards. I'm 73. It's now 1968. Uh, I don't have a clue anymore, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, I had a, a heck of an interesting time. It was obviously a unique time in America. A unique time, I think, in our culture. And mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways, some of the stuff we're talking about does mm-hmm. have a lot of cultural oh, involvement as well. In terms, Yeah. Of, yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. So we always ask every guest at the end, and I bet you have some doozies of answers here. Non-familial. And I would, I would invite almost, uh, we could add as a category, hallucinogenic, if we wanted to open those doors. But the best day of your life. Best day of my life. 
Without family. No family stuff, though, right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah, can't yeah. say I married my Because everybody wife. knows, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that would be one. Yeah, yeah. I like getting laid, but uh, <laughs> uh, let me think about That's that. a first, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, golly, uh, I'm going to have to uh, uh, reflect now, which is, you know, the mm-hmm. best day of my life. Uh, uh, and it doesn't always just kind of. I think it was probably when I uh, realized that uh, I had passed an exam and I was actually going to actually become a pharmacist because I had failed that same course a year before. But uh, 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 who knows? Uh, uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got so many good days in my life. Quite yeah. honestly, I feel I'm like one of the happy, blessed people on the planet and trying to pick out the best without familial kinds of issues and stuff like that, which are always you know very memorable and good. But yeah, uh, yeah, you kind of answered. That's a yeah, good, that's, yeah, that's great. Right, Passing yeah. that test for sure. Well, yeah, I, want yeah. to, I want to thank uh, Wayne Westphal and Nancy Westphal, who I call mom, for introducing me to you years ago. So yeah. thank you, mom and Wayne. Thank you, Captex Bank and Mike Thomas for this last yep. show. You'll probably cut us off when this is aired, but we've enjoyed this, Jen. This has been very educational. <laughs> Again, thank you very much. Captex Bank must be into appropriate investments. They're into a lot of good and if stuff. If I was going to invest in anything today, I'd take a look at uh, one of the, the only two local banks out. here in Fort Worth. So if you want to talk, and the guy will call you back in the middle of the night if you have a problem. Yeah. We've tested it but out. But we're not too. suggesting any investments. Yeah. We're not SEC regulated. No, 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 so no, please no uh, say that, Jim. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't disclose any companies that yeah. I would invest in, anything like that. So. <laughs> Thank you, Jim Schmidt. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, thanks, Jim. All right. Yes, thanks, guys. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Roxo Media House.